Hi everyone and welcome to Rob Evans 365, day number 172. And today by the time we end this call, I'm going to talk to you about uh, five tips that I have for you for turning defeat into victory or into success. Because we can often feel like we're defeated and have a defeated mindset, but how do you take that and turn it into success? Before we do that, I'm going to give you a little bit of an update as to a couple of things that have happened uh, overnight and this morning. Firstly, uh, I see the surgeon today, so I'll be excited to give you an update about that tomorrow, get the uh, stitches out. Now, uh, yesterday I did a leg workout in the gym, and I tell you, the, the way that lately when I've done, when I say lately, the last month or so when I've done a leg workout I like to finish the workout with lunges just body weighted lunges um, obviously I couldn't hold the dumbbell or kettlebells or whatever in each hand yesterday so I decided to just do freestanding ones but you do these with uh, good control a uh, good form nice and nice and steady they kill me every time so uh, at the studio where I or the gym where I was uh, training, they have a, a track, and if I say a track like um, like a CrossFit track, it probably goes for oh, I'm going to go with ten meters, maybe it's, yeah, it's probably ten meters long. And so I I do uh, walking lunges down and back, and I do that through three times, have a little rest between each one, and uh, my legs by yesterday. Uh, afternoon were absolutely caning which tells you what in two days times they're going to be really bad uh, so uh, I didn't want to cramp up through the night and I thought man I really need to do something uh, so I jumped in the bath now obviously because of the uh, the wound and the um, the patchwork if you like over the wound even though it's waterproofed uh, I didn't want to you know I don't want to have it soaking you can obviously get water on it and then not get through but you don't want to have it really hot and so I didn't have the bath soup hops I like a, a super hot bath uh, but uh, naturally because it's ho hotter than your body temperature then you can start to sweat uh, so I was in it for a little bit and I was talking to Sheree on the phone and I had to get out uh, because I you know you keep sliding down the bath and the shoulders getting closer and closer to the water level so um, I ended up uh, getting out after a while and of course, uh, one thing that I didn't necessarily take into account was the fact that even though the dressings were waterproof, uh, the skin still sweats underneath it, doesn't it? So I get out of the bath and after I cool down and dry off and everything, uh, I've got this big red patch under the dressings where... I was obviously sweating and the, uh, the sweat then absorbed into the absorbent dressings and now it looks a bit manky I have to say so uh, yeah I'm sure it's all okay um, because the, I get the stitches out today so it should be all uh, wounded oh uh, sorry all healed over but um, yeah we will see uh, how that goes. So I'm looking forward to getting it off 
today. Um, so my uh, tip from there, do not have a bath with the waterproof dressings on, even though they're not being soaked because it's going to be ugly underneath. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've just gotten off the phone uh, this morning. It's early morning. I was up at uh, 4.30ish. Actually, that's not exactly true. The alarm went off at 4.30. Uh, again, I'm sleeping very heavily, and so I didn't really want to get out of bed at 4.30. So I think I stayed in bed this morning for an extra 20 minutes before I got out. Uh, so just before 5, and um, I like to do my mind feeding and stuff, which we'll talk about on another, another call. I'll do that early in the morning. And it really just sets me, sets me up for the day. And so then I was having a, a really the first direct call one-on-one that I've had with uh, Emily, the, um, the editor. Her name's Emily Bingham, and she's based in Austin, Texas. And uh, so what I wanted to do was have a bit of a look through the book, and I didn't know what we were going to be talking about, but um, have a look through the book and get a bit of a feel for it and Again, in terms of things that I might like to tell her, what I want her to focus on, etc., etc. So I, um, I went through the, the first chapter, the first part of it. I'm like, oh man, this doesn't flow properly. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm talking all this good stuff and then boom, we just jump straight into this task. And it's like, oh man, there's no context for what we're doing that action step. So anyway, so we had a really good call. And uh, she asked some, some good questions like, uh, you know, how did I come up with the, uh, you know, the title, why I wrote the book, why uh, in the introduction where I talk about, you know, my story and, and so forth, um, just helping put all that into context. And I was, I was quite critical of myself. I said, look, the way that, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but uh, I will, I mean, the, this is just how the creative process takes place. And I said that, um, you know, I'd basically put down my thoughts to what I wanted to include in the book. But then as I got to about chapter, I don't know, it was maybe chapter six, I thought, actually, no, that wasn't that one. It was probably about chapter two or three. And I thought, yeah, this this isn't connecting as to... Uh, you know, why I've written the book to get through here. And I thought it needs that context. So I wrote the, the introduction, which is basically my story, uh, and to why I do what I do now and who, who am I and why have I written it and, you know, um, to just put the, the book into context. So then I did that and I wrote a few more chapters and that's probably when I got to chapter six and I thought, hang on, there's, there's no link here to... So I've called the book Awaken the Sexy Within... And maybe that's not the final t- the title of it, but I, I really do love that title. And I thought, but there's no context for sexiness and uh, you know flowing through the the introduction and into the other chapters. So I had to go back and uh, and then you know link that through the um, the introduction, and then uh, had to make sure that each chapter had that same sort of uh, theme running through it. And uh, once I did that, I became a lot more happy with it. But then uh, I said to her, you know, um, there's things that I'm not happy with. I said, I, I'm not convinced that the introduction part is right. I said, at the end of the day, people don't care what you've gone through. All they care is what you can do for them. 
So I said, uh, all the stuff that I've written in there about uh, bullying and so forth and how I had the, the, you know, my very poor self-image and stuff, maybe that all that just needs to come out. But I said, people don't really care. Or maybe I need to, I can't really re reflect now on the top of my head how much I, um, I re referred to or expanded on the, the bullying and all that kind of stuff. But maybe it needs to be condensed. Uh, but anyway, I said I wasn't happy with that. I said I'm not sure that the book flows as well as I would like to. I've put appendices at the back, which in some some point don't make sense. But I said at the end of the day, all I wanted to do was get all the content down and then we could work out what order we do, do we put it. So like, for instance, I've got something like, you know, there's 40 pages or something of success stories. Now, I've put that at the back of the book as um, appendix number four. Now, really, that's the whole purpose of the book. It's the, um, the proof that all of this stuff works. So I said, maybe it makes more sense to dot those throughout the book. And she agreed that having it right at the end of the book is not a good idea. But she said she'll keep it in mind as she goes through. And I said, I just don't know that it flows. And the, yeah, I'm not happy with the, uh, the chapter titles and the stuff. So... Uh, it sounds like I'm not happy with a whole lot of it, but I guess um, my objective was to get it down. And she said, you've absolutely gone through the right process. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about all the detail and just getting it down there and then you can, you know, manipulate it and move it around later. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm paying, paying her big dollars to, um, uh, you know, to give give me the, the changes that, that need to take place for this to turn into a, uh, you know, a great book. And then we were talking about format and we were talking about, I was showing her a couple of different uh, versions of books that I have in the health and fitness space. So we were looking at some of the Michelle Bridges books. We were looking at just a normal book that I'm reading at the moment. And, uh, you know, just around, you know, what size should the book be in terms of it being a workbook, uh, should it, well, for instance, should it be a spiral-bound one? We didn't talk about that, but perhaps it should be. Or is it all just in black and white and it's not, you know, it's not super fancy paper or anything like that? So there's two schools of thought right now. Like if you went into someone like Big W or a bookstore right now and you went to the health exercise, um, you know, recipe type area, you'll find a heap of books that kind of look the same. And you open them up and they're, you know, very thick paper, nice, shiny, or not, not gloss, but a matte sort of finish, but it's thick, uh, full of pictures. You know, somebody's spent their entire life uh, getting the, the fonts right and the layout right and the images and all that. And there's, it's full colour, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that version that's a bit bigger. And then you've got, you know, like your typical novel size book that's a black and white, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, we've got the, the issue of I've got all these action tasks in there. I think there's 43 action steps that need to uh, be, uh, be completed and you need to write things down. Now, if it's in a novel, for instance, you know how you, if you're writing from the left-hand side and writing in towards the spine, then you can't write all the way into the spine because it's, you know, the bend in the book and all that, so hence the spiral bound. Uh, or does it need to be bigger? Uh, or, you know, one of the things that I'm doing is providing a download page of all the different tools that are going to exist. And maybe we just have it as a download 
uh, that people can go and, and reference. So there are many examples of uh, books that are the best in the world and have sold millions and millions of copies and are only in black and white. Like take Harry Potter, for instance. Okay, that's a novel, but it's black and white. Um, I look at you know, some people that have written some awesome books. So Think and Grow Rich, one of the, the biggest selling books in the world, uh, all black and white. The One Minute Manager, uh, you know, those series of books, all black and white. Um, Tony Robbins, you look at uh, all of his books and with all the money that he's got and what he could create in terms of uh, you know, testimonials and that kind of stuff in his books, they're all black and white and there's, uh, you know, there's no, no fancy pictures and stuff. You look at uh, his programs and like his program guides are all black and white. They might have a coloured cover but everything inside is black and white. Uh, so uh, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> um, it's just a question, I suppose, of, well, if it's going to be in bookstores um, and we haven't determined whether that's going to be the case or not yet, we're not at that stage, but, uh, or whether it's just online, uh, what's going to make somebody pick it up? And uh, I believe there's some points of difference with being all the action steps in there where these other other books are really just, okay, you can go and do this or you can cook this or whatever. Uh, but this is very specific. It's, it's, um, it's targeting differently. So anyway, that was, uh, we had a, a, really, a really constructive discussion around it and I feel uh, really positive that she's going to do a great job on it. And then at the end of the course, she told me the payment that I sent her didn't go through um, due to a technical reason I think with the when if you're paying overseas people then um, I don't know we need these these routing numbers and, and stuff and I don't know there was some sort of problem that she's going to fix and we'll try it again uh, so um, I wanted to give you well that was the snapshot of today oh actually there's more um, I can tell you that I'll uh, say so Cherie's still up in Canberra kids were all playing up last night and didn't sleep and were up late and um, she's a bit grumpy this morning and didn't sleep very well and her back's playing up. So I think she's sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag with the kids or something. I don't know, it sounded messy and uh, uncomfortable. And uh, she's going to see her dad today. So um, I think we're going to have a, a I haven't met him before. And uh, we're going to have a, a FaceTime call today at some point, I think. And I got an e a text from Angela, the girl's mum, uh, late last night. I was asleep, but I saw it this morning. They've arrived back home safely, and I'm going to catch up with them after. I've got a client coming in a bit later, so I think around 11 o'clock. Uh, I get to go over and, and see them, so that, that'll be nice. I haven't seen them for about a week, so that'll be, that'll be good. So, as promised... I wanted to end this call with talking about how do we turn defeat into victory or success? And what I find is that the difference between success and failure is really, it's your attitude towards the setbacks and the handicaps, the discouragements, whatever it is, uh, to whatever the event that has occurred. So if you look at the... Um, I've spoken about this before, but 
you know, the, the great coaches of, um, say, teams that are, let's take it to the AFL uh, footy, or it, it could be any, any sporting team, but, you know, that, that team that has been at the bottom of the ladder or only gets one or two victories a year out of, you know, 20-plus games, and it's their, their, it's their life, it's their career, and they're only going to win maybe... 1%, 10% of the time. How does the coach keep moving forward? How do the players keep moving forward? And I think it comes down to your mindset, doesn't it? It's your, you've got to keep on using those opportunities to keep growing and building something so that you know that you're working towards something else. You're not working to, towards the next defeat. You're working towards that next victory and you're focusing on those little wins in, in between. So the, there's five, five little tips I've got for you. And the first one is study the setbacks that you've had so that you can pave your way to success. So when you, when you lose, if you like, if you, or fail, whatever terminology you want to use, uh, learn from it and then go on next time to make sure that you win. Now, the number two is about making sure that you have the courage to be your own constructive critic. So don't... And there's a, there's a difference here. The, the key word here is constructive. We want to be constructive in your comments to yourself and not destructive because destruction destroys you, constructive, makes you take note of what has gone wrong, have that awareness, and then to take a different approach. So it's looking at, so what are your faults? What are your weaknesses? And then how do you turn those around into be your strengths? How do you take your weaknesses and turn it into your strength? One for me right now is um, Instagram. So Instagram is something that up to a few months ago I had never used. And uh, I realised that in order to, to stay innovative and keep moving with the times, Instagram didn't exist when I started my business. Um, I, you know, I didn't used to like Facebook. I now use Facebook uh, quite a lot and I advertise on Facebook. I used to be scared of it. I'm not an expert in it yet, uh, but... Um, uh, it's something that I keep working on so that I can make it one of my strengths. Uh, Instagram, same thing. It was new. I was a bit scared of it to start with. Uh, but now it's something that we have a program in place to post something every single day. And we're going to review that in the new year to say, okay, maybe we need to be posting a couple of things a day. Um, and then move that up to, you know, like maybe three things a day. Uh, but one of the good things is that, so Elizabeth, she, she doesn't really use Facebook so much, but she uses Instagram all the time. So she loves it. She knows all about it. Um, so we're creating videos. She's editing the videos together and we're, uh, we're posting those. So um, it, it just makes you more relevant, I think. It gets you more followers, gets you more traction, um, and hence being able to help more people um, build the business. So uh, for me... It's about learning about Instagram. I'm watching videos around what other people are doing, uh, other apps you can use to edit videos and add you know, more features on Instagram. 
and um, you know it's it's already having an impact. So that's um, that's one of the things that I'm doing, making the the weaknesses into uh, to strengths. Number three, stop blaming luck. So don't say, oh well, that person was lucky or whatever. The the great players of the world, the great people of the world, they make their own luck. So what I want you to do is with every setback that you have, research it and find out what went wrong. And don't forget that just blaming luck, like, oh, I wasn't lucky, that's never helped anyone. All the people that have been successful in the world have had a struggle. And if you look at the most successful people in the world, whether it's business, sport, whatever, you find, like jump online and, and just research them and find out what is their story. And every single person that has risen to success has had massive setbacks. The point is where you could have rolled over and died, you didn't, you stood up and made a difference. Now, a, a compelling one that I'm sure everybody on the planet has heard of is... Uh, the author of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Now, she was rejected by dozens of publishers before someone picked uh, her up to publish her books. They just didn't, they didn't like the concepts. They thought it would be rubbish and wouldn't sell. Now, she has gone from broke to being a billionaire because she persevered and she learned from each setback to never give up. Now, we've just returned from uh, LA last month and uh, we went to Universal Studios. Now, they have a whole section of Universal Studios that is built to look like uh, many of the sets in Harry Potter. It's like a town that you walk through. The merchandise that has then come out of that the movies that have come out of that, the costumes that they were selling. They were selling wands and uh, for $50 each US. Um, you know, the, all of that has come from somebody that was rejected dozens and dozens of times. And she could have said, you know what? I'm just going to keep this for myself. But she knew there was a greater purpose for her and she found a way to get recognised. And now look at it. She sold millions and millions of copies, hundreds of millions of copies of her book. And I just changed so many people's lives uh, by virtue of it. Um, for crying out loud, they have, um, uh, what's the name of it? Is it called Quidditch? I don't know, the, the game that they play in Harry Potter. That is now recognised as a sport and they have a world championships in that game, which has just been made up by her in her books which may have never happened, but there's so many different spin-offs from what she has created. It's incredible. Um, so don't blame luck. All right, number four. So what you need to do is be persistent in what you're doing, but you also have to be prepared to experiment. So there's no sense in being persistent with doing the same thing and hitting your head against a brick wall. So let's just say that you've got this brick wall in front of you and you decide that maybe if I hit my head against it, it's going to knock the wall down. If you keep doing that, then probably what that's likely to do is just give you a lot of brain damage and a very sore head 
and the wall is not going to fall down. At some point, after doing it a couple of times, you're going to have to say, hmm, I need something heavier than this to knock down this wall. And you say, hmm, maybe I'll go and get a sledgehammer. And you try the sledgehammer and you try that. And then you say, hmm, wow, this is like one foot deep in the, the thickness of this wall. I need something bigger. All right, I'm going to get a wrecking ball or an excavator or something like that and do it that way. The point is that you need to experiment with different approaches so that you can succeed. So persistence mixed with experimentation, um, you know, seeing what's working, change your approach, keep moving forward. You can't stop, but you've got to reflect and say, uh, is this working? How can I change it? Tony Robbins uses the example, if you're, you know, the, the, um, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and he says, if you're looking for a sunset and you're always running east, then you're never going to find the sunset, are you? Because the sunset's in the west. So same thing. Be persistent. Check your approach. Change what's not working. Keep being persistent. All right. And the last one, just remember that it doesn't matter whatever has happened in you know, the event, the failure, whatever you want to call it. There's good in every situation. So what you need to do is find the good in everything. Uh, There are many examples that have occurred uh, with me in this last 12 months that you could quite easily say that this is all bad and there's no good to to come of it. But that's not true. There, There is good in every situation, even though you may not necessarily see it right there and then. There is a reason that things happen. There's a reason that things happen to you. And there is a, there's good in every situation. The art is finding where is the good in this bad situation. So um, let's take for me, for example, this year. Um, so dad passing away was probably the most tragic thing that's happened um, uh, to me this year. And I think, so where is the good in that? I could be saying how sad it is that, you know, dad's gone, um, uh, you know, the, the family, as I've known it, is now, uh, is now ended. Mum's passed away. Dad's passed away. Um, and I, I could think about that. Alternatively, what I chose to think about was the fact that Dad's no longer suffering. And I'm glad that he's at peace. And if you're a spiritual person thinking that, hey, well, now he's with Mum and he's happy again. He's finally he's in no more pain and he's happy again, and maybe they're dancing uh, together somewhere and, uh, you know, just loving life eternally now. Um, You know, I reflect on maybe Dad's life more deeply and Mum's life more deeply and the impact that they've had on my life and the importance of me getting my book out uh, because, um, you know, I know that they would be proud of me and I need to you know, keep making myself a better person and helping others uh, and being generous in my, my nature and spirit and, and knowledge. So there is always some good in every situation, okay? I chose not to focus on 
uh, the downside of death and focus on the, the positive and celebrate life. And you can find a similar experience with any bad situation if you want to. If you want to. You just got to look. So they're my five tips. I'm going to end this call on that note. I want you to use those five tips in your, uh, in your striving to make yourself a better person and turning failure into success. And your life will change. Believe me. It's just a change of focus, a slight change in a few degrees, perhaps one degree. All right, that's me out for today. I will see you tomorrow.